Hey, 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 y'all. It's your girl, Hannah, a.k.a. Ruta, and you are watching the Uprooted Network. Today is Manifest Mondays, and um, I'm back from a little break. I'm going to be joined again by Hyatt. We are closing out our series on understanding forgiveness. Um, hope you guys have been enjoying it thus far. I know I'm learning a lot. Um, so it's it's a good it's a good week to end on honestly with everything that i've been through this last week i think we all need this conversation so super super excited to have my guy hyatt join us um and if you can't tell i got the wayane t-shirt from tigaru rebuild tigray if you haven't already got your merch from them make sure you go purchase um we want to support you know rebuilding our own and getting the diaspora involved early on you know what i mean so what's up everybody how is your monday going do me a favor send this to like five of your friends let them know um i am here i am back i needed a break i'm gonna address that actually while i wait for my gush up um so some people reached out and I really appreciate it. Your guys' kind words meant a lot. I have PCOS, which is uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, I've talked about it before. Um, it is also PCOS Awareness Month. And I get a whole host of symptoms that people tend to not notice because um, they're very internal. So. I already told you guys I got anxiety up the wazoo. And when my anxiety got really, really bad last week, um, I got a new symptom, which was acid reflux. And I said, who is this girl? Because I didn't ask her to come pay me a visit. And she had me messed up all week. I'm still slowly recovering, but I feel a lot better. So thank you guys um, who have been asking. And on top of that, I got some really horrible news. Um, about a friend that I love dearly passing. And I'm not at a point that I'm ready to process that out loud with people yet. And I, I just hope everyone can respect it. Um, it's been a hard year and this brings up a lot of things for me. So I am gonna find a way to honor and speak about it, um, but I'm just not in that place yet. So I will continue to do the work because I know it's something that um, he always supported and I'm gonna let that be the way that I honor him this week um, so I hope everyone understands that some of us work through our pain so without further ado I see my guest is here I'm gonna bring him on and we are gonna transition over hi how you doing what's up girl how are you Good, good. Um, just wanted to brief the people. Uh, so yeah, we've been in high and sweet too. We had this conversation. I was like, I'm just not ready to talk about it. Um, and it was ironic though because I watched the video you sent me, or that you had told me to watch on um, Netflix, oh, yeah. and it was it was like really helpful to just kind of lay out that that path you know um and i've been trying to explain to people too that like in your healing process there's a grief process that happens too like you grieve all types of harm 
um, I'm just in a current state of it. So this is a timely like message for myself too. So when that time comes where, when I'm ready um, to kind of reconcile the change that has happened in my life, like I know what those steps are going to look like. So I'm excited. That's why I wanted to still have this conversation. Um, so those, for those who are catching up, we have been doing a month-long series on understanding forgiveness. Um, we started with overcoming hate, and then we talked about um, active listening, empathetic listening. Last week, we talked about, um, oh my God, I just blanked. A responsibility so for you. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, my brain hurts. Um, and this week, we're going to be talking about how do you build those systems to reconcile um, and, and what is, I think a big part of that is being able to see a path forward. Um, and you, you, you sent me a great resource if you want to tell them about it and then kind of, we can jump in. Yeah. So, um, I was, uh, just on uh, Netflix the other day and, uh, don't have too much time to go on Netflix, but I like to watch like little documentaries or like, uh, food things here and there, just kind of educate myself. That's what I usually watch. So. Um, I have been stumbled upon this documentary called uh, Explained, and one of the episodes on there was about apologies, and it was really cool because um, I didn't really expect to to be uh, that informed uh, about you know having some kind of takeaways that we can use for today, and like it's pretty much it directly ties into our series on forgiveness and reconciliation because it talks about apologies and it, it sends toward of justice as like mm -hmm. one of the means to to forgiveness and, and apologies and apologizing as well and so i thought it was really cool like i have some notes from that some notes from the book that we've been unpacking for the past three weeks and so um yeah i guess we can just dive straight into it if you want to yeah so Go ahead. yeah is that cool i'm like um the way I was like, you know, I don't really need to prompt it. Okay, so <laughs> um, I guess for me, let's start with when we say building systems, like, mm. what do we what does that even mean? Right? Like, we're, we're talking about when a harm is done. And when you're trying mm. to reconcile, how do you do that? Right? Is it meditation or not meditation mediation? Um, there's concepts that I have been thinking about and that they mentioned in this, in the, um, the documentary of restorative justice. Um, yeah. how do you know? And then I think a lot of us are familiar with the South Africa reference that they used after the apartheid and how they had yeah. kind of those healing dialogues. Um, I think those are things that I would consider a system to how, how, like for how we are reconciling harm and being able to move forward. Um, was that kind of where your notes were taking us or did you have another perspective you wanted to share? Um, yeah, I have, I, have, I have some stuff on that as well. It's, it's kind of like just, it, it ties on the idea of like reconciliation and also kind of mm -hmm. um, systems that we can build towards the future to kind of, I guess, um, placate injustice and stop it in its tracks. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, if you, if you want to start, um, then I can kind of just chime in here and there. Cool. Yeah. So I think something that had stuck stood out to me um, when I started thinking about it was what do, what does restorative justice really look like and like who's involved? 
um, as someone who's a victim myself, like, and I had this conversation with a friend yesterday, I was like, actually, I have two examples of losing people um, through the same means. And in one case, the culprit was caught. And in another case, the culprit was not, and is still out and free, right? And I told him that the pain still felt the same, like whether I knew or didn't know. Um, and I think watching that documentary, something that really stuck out to me was the idea that the women were saying, how can I consider forgiveness, right? And, and start that when the person is still lying mm. and they hadn't taken responsibility. And so there are cases like what, what has worked for me is finding a way um, to move forward in my life without the apology. And I saw mm -hmm. something else actually that I'm gonna post after this. Um, that forgiveness for self and that forgiveness for being able to move forward doesn't absolve the other person of the responsibility. It's just, right. I'm taking my piece back. Um, yeah. And something else that really stuck out, oh, sorry, that truck is kind of loud. Um, something else that really stuck out for me was that the power dynamic because at the end of the day when you've been victim to something it's that feeling of helplessness and powerlessness that is what kind of lingers you know yeah. um, and keeps us in that victimhood um, and I liked what they had to say about the opposite of, um, of trauma is is not just the apology but um giving power back or taking power yeah. back um and i was like okay so it, it gave me a different way to look at the forgiveness because i think what i was struggling with was like if i have forgiven this person all of a sudden it takes all the blame and accountability away from them and it's like no that's not actually what i'm saying it's like i'm forgiving enough so that i can move forward it doesn't mean that i have accepted or um, give excuse to what the other person did. Like, that's still not okay. Mm. I know that was a lot. I'm gonna let you unpack wherever you want to start. <laughs> no, yeah, that's good. I actually, I actually wrote that down. So um, I guess like context for people who, who um, haven't seen this like little, it's this short like 20 minute um, docu-series called Explained. It's on Netflix, it's presented by Vox. Um, and so uh, in that uh, episode, they're talking about apologies. And they use the example of this South African um, uh, apartheid abolitionist. His name was, um, oh, I have it here. Oh, I don't have it here. But his, his, um, his wife and his daughter were um, speaking about the injustice of his death. He was murdered. Mm -hmm. And for 13 years, they had no idea what happened to him. They just knew that he was brutally murdered and burnt to death in the car. And then 13 years later, um, the guy who was responsible ended up confessing to the crime, but he still would help withheld some of the truth of who actually actioned and ordered um, for um, her husband and the three of them meant to be killed. And so one of the things that uh, his daughter said, her name is Dorothy Kalata, uh, was that the essence of truth would be our healing, which mm -hmm. I thought was very powerful. And, yeah. he, and this was like... Um, 
not not her full uh, uh, quote what she said, but I just kind of took an excerpt, and mm -hmm. she said the person who's like you know uh, parading running around depriving us of the truth is perpetuating our trauma. And so I thought it was really important because um, as we've talked about, you know, uh, with listening, how it's coming to the table, but then also opening up the table for different sides of the conflict and to, to see where exactly the truth is and to gain different mm -hmm. perspectives, you know. And that's what I love about um, this documentary series and also with just um, this book that we've been unpacking, Interfaith Just Peacemaking that provides practical solutions for peacemaking in everyday contexts, but more so like on a national global scale, but we can still use these principles. Internally. And in the docu-series that we just referenced, um, it talks about restorative justice. And so just like a little background information, restorative yeah. justice was kind of popularized in the 70s in the US, but it has a lot of ancient ties to it because it's very tribunal, it's very um, uh, tribal when it comes to how restorative justice is, is like a circle of justice. Mm -hmm. Then you have, you know, the perpetrator, yeah. the witnesses, then you have a mediator. And it's all about trying to gain, um, I guess, the grant, the, the grant perspective of what actually happened and seeing the different sides of the conflict. And it's beautiful because like they, they, they used an example of um, a conflict that happened in Brooklyn between two different men and how at the end of their mm -hmm. restorative justice process, there was actually healing from that trauma and they became strangers became brothers in that sense. And so um, I think one of the things that I, I wrote down right here is uh, a coherent narrative and how truth is a yes. healing job in itself. Because without truth, without having perspective, without admitting and, you know, um, I guess acknowledging that responsibility, something we've been talking about, you don't really have that sense of, of reconciliation. You can't really move forward unless, you know, the whole perspective is seen so that you're able to really look at the situation, the conflict, uh, the war, and look at, okay, these are the different sides. Um, this is our side of the story. This is their side. We may not agree upon, you know, uh, we have met, they have different policies, different beliefs, but mm -hmm. we can at least acknowledge and, and, and reconcile these differences so we can build, you know, a better future together. And so I thought it was really important that you actually touched upon that because as I mentioned before, um, former President Barack Obama mentioned this in an interview with David Letterman, and he was asked, like, what, like, what's, like, the most challenging and most, like, biggest threat that you face, uh, that, that, that our world is facing today? And uh, former President Barack Obama said uh, disinformation is probably the greatest threat that we face in the 21st century. And so I see it in that lens of not just as a global leader, but disinformation in a sense of, how is the truth being distorted in everyday lives that perpetuates conflict? Because if you look every at it, day. yeah, every day, if you look at it in this specific conflict that we're kind of, you know, uh, I guess, you know, joined together with Tigray, it's like what different disinformation has been spread about and what uh, truth has been withheld that is not being seen. And, yeah. you know, it's, 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 always, um, it's always kind of funny how that saying is, you know, the, the truth will always prevail. And I believe in this context, in every context, the truth always will prevail and that justice always has to stay in, uh, in the light. And so if you look at it in the perspective of, you know, innocent people being killed or, you know, you know I guess in, in the American context where, you know, black and brown lives are being created for bullets and caskets, 
I feel like, and I, I, and I, I do wholeheartedly believe that justice and truth will always prevail and that it would always come to light. Whether it takes 15, 20, 25 years, whatever the, the length of time is, like, justice will always prevail. And it's funny because, like, I, I didn't write some of my notes, but just kind of remembering this case, um, Emmett Till, the, the death Ooh. of Emmett Till, the young Chicago yeah, boy. Yeah, that still hurts. Who went to the South to visit his family and was brutally murdered and that kind of sparked the civil rights movement in the um, 50s and 60s. Um, it was found that, like, I think it was, I don't know how many like, decades, I think it was a like, good six or seven years later, where the reason why he was brutally murdered was because he had whistled at a white woman. And mm -hmm. it was, a, I think it was in a convenience shop. And so the, the husband and the cousin of the wife went to find this Emmett Till um, boy, and they brutally murdered him. And decades later, she actually confessed that, you know, he, he, never, he never whistled. He, he never did that. And yeah. it's such a sad, tragic story. But if you look at it in the sense that, okay, you know, his family and generations later were deprived of that actual truth. But at least the truth is being shed and let out. And I see that as an example. And there's so many other examples we can use for truth. But I think when... When, when we have that sense of truth, it's liberating, it's healing. And it's like Dorothy said, you know, the essence of truth will be our healing. And for that family, you know, they're still waiting for that, for that truth. They're still waiting for that healing to happen. And that's why it's so important when, when we're talking about reconciliation, we're talking about forgiveness, we're, 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 we're talking about, you know, retributive, sorry, not retributive, justice, sorry, uh, restorative justice. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, overcoming our own hate within internally. It, it's it's listening, coming to the table. It's acknowledging responsibility, being willing to forgive, and kind of building those steps for the future, so we can build a better today, tomorrow, yeah. and for generations to come. And that's why it's so important. I think um, I'm glad that we both like circle that coherent narrative. You know, um, so much of our psychology and the way that we move in the world is based off the stories that we tell ourselves, right? right. Um, so if we are thinking about a harm that's being done and we want to use this genocide as, as um, the example, you can also use your personal life, right? Like whatever the case, because there's times where you beef with your family, with your friends, what, you know, you can make it as micro or macro as you want. The part that keeps us stuck is not being able to reconcile the story, right? Um, there is a part, and this is something that I've struggled with for a while now, <laughs> is having to understand and try to find a path forward um, without the other half of that story, right? It's like, I don't get why. I don't understand why. And I'm trying really hard not to get too um, in my emotions because I really want to have this conversation. Um, is not like you, you have like your story is incomplete, and it's it's those questions that bother us, you know, so much. Um, so I thought something really important in how they were saying we can do restorative justice is by allowing space for each story to be told. Right? right without the other person's objection it's just can the other person tell their story and we talked about this um i think in this in the second week in the active listening right in the empathetic yes. listening 
are but first are you capable of hearing it right like you got to get to a place where you can hear their other story without like just jumping down their throat um so i thought it was really cool in this circle you have people that love you and support you with you right so you're kind of creating um like a, an even playing field almost you know where like the other person doesn't feel ganged up on and then you have a mediator to actually facilitate that conversation and help break those things apart what they're talking about is group therapy essentially you know <laughs> it really is we can call it everything we want but at the end of the day it is group therapy um and it's a the ability to kind of can we get to a common set of facts? You know, can we get to a common understanding of all of the pieces, right? Like, can we get to a point where like, oh, that happened. So that was a reaction to this, not that. So the example in the show was um, as the guys were starting to hear the other person's story, they're like, oh, actually it makes perfect sense why, that, why you responded that way. I would have responded the same way, right? So you're literally in that process was able to get to that empathetic place because they had a full picture of what happened instead of their imagination and their assumption and their traumas being like, well, you did that on purpose because you were trying to hurt me. And it's like, no, he did that because he was trying to protect himself. And in the course of that, he hurt you, uh. you know, but if it had been the other way around, it would have been, you would have done the same thing. So it's it, that that ability to hear all sides of the story gives you a clear enough picture to understand was the harm really intentional or was it a bad series of events? Mm. And we're able to kind of pull that together to give us a path forward because there's an, there's ability to not do that again, to not repeat it. And the, the other part that really stuck out to me was that they had um, the men write letters to their future children mm. in terms of like, what lessons could be learned from this. And I think that is a system we need as Tagadu because our parents, for better or worse, swallow their pain, you know? And I don't think any of them got to reconcile the things that they had to see and that they had to go through. There was no restorative justice for our parents. Yeah, and there was no restorative. Yeah. Yes, a lot of immigrants. And there is no restorative justice for our grandparents. And so we're generationally dealing with pain of our story never being told and never being able to release that pain. Mm. You know what I mean? And we've seen that manifested generation still of why we're struggling so much, right? Yeah. Like why there's so much conflict internally because we were externally hurt too. And like internally, we're all still really hurt and messed up because nothing was ever reconciled for us. But I think something cathartic and therapeutic for our parents to be able to do and something that would help all of us is tell us your pain. Because if you tell me the lesson, then I don't have to learn it the hard way. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But I think a lot of the things we see repeating is because our parents didn't want us to learn that lesson. They thought if they avoided it and didn't talk about it, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't deal with it, you know, that they were freeing us from something. But what they, what they inadvertently did was they didn't prepare us to deal with our reality.
And I think it's really hard for our parents to say that, you know, because they feel like in some way they harm their kids. And it's like, no, we're not blaming you for, for, for harm. We just know better. So we're trying to find a better system so that we can move forward, so that we don't lose our culture, so that we don't lose our, um, our identity, the identity that we're fighting so hard to keep. Yeah. They're not just fighting for their life and survival. They're fighting for the way of life that they have created for themselves, too. You know, and that's a really big thing to understand. And so when we're talking about building systems, um, I feel like that's what Shamagala is supposed to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I feel like it's been watered down through generations because everybody's in so much pain. Who the hell's the mediator? Mm. Can, you, can you break down that word for everyone? Just, Shem- just, uh, no, sh- put Shemagala. them on game. <laughs> Listen, you know your parents were Shamagala for anyways we'll talk about that offline um anyway so shamagala is our cultural system of community justice right community restorative justice if we were going to put it in this context because it's the elders in your community the the they're supposed to be the wise ones right the ones who are knowledgeable and who are able to see this honestly they're the community healers we can call them the community psychologists right (laughs) like I'm just trying to show people how terms really can be interchangeable here. Um, whenever there's a conflict, these people are called and they they bring both sides to the table to mediate and bring peace. And they will tell you, okay, this person has to do this and whatever, right? Like they come up with whatever the consequences are or whatever the prescribed way forward is. But I think what's happened over time is that that skill set of how to actually mediate things wasn't really passed down. You know, like, especially when it comes to the communication barrier between the men and women in our community. Like, it, it's just, there's so many layers of trauma in between us that I feel like we, we don't really know how to communicate with each other in an intimate and vulnerable way. And when our leaders are also traumatized and unable to be open, it doesn't create the atmosphere that you need in order to have those conversations. Yeah. Is, is what I'm seeing. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I don't want to generalize for everyone's experiences, but I guess in my experience, you know, in our family, in our community, it's like uh, there's like a lot of things you don't really talk about. You kind of suppress. There's a lot of, you know, uh, unhealthy suppression that happens. You don't really talk about conflict yeah. or anything. Everything just kind of gets you know, swept in the carpet, and then he, all is well, you know, and you might have a conflict, you might, have, you, might, you might forgive each other, but you don't really express, you know, the hurt that's been caused, you don't express, like, what's happened, you don't talk about the narratives at all, it's just, okay, forgive, okay, and then boom, and, like, you don't really address the root issue, and so yeah. these, these patterns of, you know, um, I guess, conflict continue to repeat, because the trauma is never actually addressed or issued in the first place, addressed in the first place. And, you know, when we talk about building systems for the future, like you said, that's, that's one of the most important things we can actually do is come to the table and talk about these things as uncomfortable and as icky as it may be. Like, this is how we get um, resolution. This is how we do reconciliation when we come together, whether you're your enemies, you know, people don't use the word enemies that much, but, for someone you hate, you always clang on them, you dislike them, you're, 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 they, they take up a lot of negative energy and in your mental space. 
Yeah. That's kind of an enemy, you know, like that's something you think about, that's someone that you actively like don't like. It's kind of an enemy. Like just 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 put it up like you see how yeah. it is and so it's it's bringing your enemies together. It's it's bringing people that you don't like and it's resolving conflict and you don't have to be, you know, best friends with someone to be reconciled, but at least at the same time when you come to um I guess an agreement on you you explain the the narratives and then you explain the conflict and break down what's actually happened that leads to resolution. And I love what um what Karina Schumann said from um the documentary series that Ruthann and I watched. She said that um there's seven different kind of um channels to apologi apologi uh, apologizing and one of the things that was very like I would say pertinent to what we're talking about, how we're building systems for a future is repair and change. Mm -hmm. Um and a way to break with the past this is changed, by the way. I wrote this down. It's a way to break yeah. with the past and find a new path forward in a change relationship. And I think mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do. Like we're trying to break away from the past. We're trying to form a new relationship. We're trying to form a new future, not only for ourselves but for generations to come. And we have to continue on this way of change. Um, and I love that, like the circle of justice, forgiveness, and healing, like. All of it really ties into how do we move forward as people, but then also how do we uh, how we reconcile as people. And uh, I guess mm -hmm. to kind of like draw the, the biblical example, like she says, we love uprooted. Yes, I love me too. I love you too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to kind of draw uh, from the biblical example of how God is actively reconciling His. Um, his way to ours and so just kind of root it you know to i guess like the christian example like whether you're muslim you're jewish you're you're buddhist uh, to kind of give it a bit more foundation um jesus in the sermon on the mount talks about forgiveness and how mm -hmm. um god doesn't forgive us unless we forgive others right and it's really hard to kind of wrap our heads around that idea of well forgiveness is also a two-way street but then it also talks about you know um as I have it here, like in my notes in Colossians three thirteen, where Paul talks about forgiveness, and where Jesus is on the um, on the cross, and he says, "Forgive them, for they not know what they are doing." And I love this idea of like reconciliation and forgiveness, and how it's it's tied in to such a early ancient biblical principle of how God is always reconciling His life, His way to ours. He's always looking to humankind, you know. And the Israelite story in, in um, the Old Testament, how he's continuously, continuously trying to reconcile and to, to, to look after his people despite what they've done, like generation after generation after generation after generation. And I, I love this idea of, you know, uh, in Genesis 1, it talks about, you know, humankind being made in his image. Yeah. And um, in the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, uh, the word is Imago Dei. And it's the actualization and the care mm -hmm. of humankind. And so when we okay. talk about... That was a big word. I was like, you said a who? <laughs> <laughs> actualization and care of humankind. So Imago Dei kind of represents this idea of God's image of us. It's mm -hmm. actualized in human form, but it's also the care of humankind as well. And if we are justice bearers, if we are image bearers of God's image, how much more do we need to be um, people who are you know, caring for humankind, caring for one another, looking after our, our, you know, our proverbial brother and sister, 
whether yeah. we hate them or not, whether we dislike them or not, like how can we continue to care for those who look like us, brown, yeah. white, black, or who don't like us? And yeah. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do as humans is is con- oh sorry is continuing yeah. in the cycle of reconciliation and forgiveness. You know who's really good at this? Yeah. Bro, our moms. Okay. Like, not like completely with everybody, but I feel like they, at least uh, maybe I'll speak for my mom um, and the Togadu moms that I've grown up with in terms of their love for community, you know? And like the idea of, um, I feel like, I, I don't know that it's true in all religions, but um, they always say like that women didn't need to learn God. They already knew him. Like, they kind of, like, insinuate that. Um, and that the boys, like, that's why you're supposed to be partnered with the woman, whatever, anyways. There's a lot of philosophy around it that I don't, there's parts I agree with, there's parts I don't. Um, the The key here, though, is that, like, when I talk to, like, the, the aunties, the moms, whatever, they'll go through all their fussing about, like, the hurt that happened, and they're so mad, and da 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 And then, like, you know, me as a, ra- like, logical person, I'm like, why don't you just leave? You know, ain't nobody forcing you to stay, you know? Mm -hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? These are our people. What are we going to do? We can't throw them away. Like, you know, like, they're like, they're like, you can't do that. Like, and so, you know, obviously Tigrinya and English don't translate (laughs) the the same because that sounds really harsh. But what they're trying to say is like, you don't turn your back on your people, on your community, on your family, on your bloodline. Like, they, they just keep trying like over and over to like keep being better and like even when they're hurt and they don't have the resources and they don't know it all like you know my mom um thank god she's she she has learned to be a little bit humble you know um and learn from me too is like come hell or high water like i will protect my people and i will still fight and love them like i'd Mm. rather fight with my people than walk away from them because there's there's love here and we have a basic understanding of humanity and that all people are valuable but Mm. we don't just throw them away as people Mm. we gotta find a way to deal with them you know um which i wish other people had that basic (laughs) respect because what i see in 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 how i understand um this genocide is that people don't have that basic understanding that you don't have to agree with people. You don't have to like them. Um, but you don't get to use that as an ex- excuse to just literally try to erase a whole people. Like, that's ridiculous, you know? Like, I'm I'm really concerned with where your moral compass is. Mm. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, when, when, it, when it comes to, you know, reconciliation, when it comes to justice, when it comes to restorative justice, finding the narrative, building systems for the future, like all that jazz, it, I, I feel like the, it, it kind of boils down to the love and how love always wins and how mm-hmm. love is the center of, um, I feel like it's, it's a center that kind of guides us. It's, it's our compass towards, you know, building for a better life. And mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing how, you know, like we talked about in the first week about hate and like love for enemies and like how hard is that like to love our enemies? Like I can barely love myself at times. Like, how much more can I love someone who I don't like at all? Or how can I love people who've done so much wrong? How can yeah. I forgive people who, you know, murder my family? How can I forgive someone who 
uh, has hurt my family, who's abused me, who's physically abused me, my spouse, who has done terrible things and destroyed our family. Like, how do you forgive these people? And, you know, as, as we've been kind of talking about these past few weeks and kind of bringing this to a close, I don't think there's any easy way to kind of go about, you know, <laughs> after, you know, talking about this for four weeks and, you know, come to the mm-hmm. conclusion, like, there's, there's no easy way to, to, to um, I guess, start this path of reconciliation, start this past path of forgiveness, and moving towards, you know, building for the future. I, there's no easy way to do it, but I think there has to be a willingness yeah. and a sense of resolve. Because I look at, you know, Tagaru as the most resilient people who've, you know, faced genocide on multiple, multiple occasions, not only in modern history, but, you know, uh, in early history as well, and, you know, 17th, 18th century. And so I, I, I look at our people as people who are resilient and people who are also forgiving. Now, we talked about this earlier. Um, I think it was mm-hmm. maybe last week or two weeks ago. It was that image of, um, it was an elderly woman feeding yeah. one of the Amhara soldiers and how that kind of, you know, a caught a lot of flack online of, people being like, no, I would never, you know, do that. Or how can we be so forgiving? Forgiveness makes us weak because we're, we're always forgiving and we're forgetting the past and we need to be a bit more tough. Like I had one of my um, family members uh, saying that if that was me, I would have fed them poison, you know? And he, like the, you see that other image as well as um, of the, um, the TDF soldier uh, handing the water bottle to one of the, um, Ethiopian uh, Defense Force, or, yeah, I forget what the actual term is, but one of the Ethiopian yeah. soldiers and how the the soldiers looking away in shame and how it's just, it shows the resolve of the people who, despite what they face, despite what's happened to them, they're always looking towards the future. They're always looking towards reconciliation. Um, and I can't really speak for, you know, every single person. I don't want to generalize. But at the yeah. same time, I, I, I really do feel like um, a lot of our um, society in, in regards to like Tagalog people and the people of Tigray, it's built on resolve. It's built on the foundation of love. It's built on biblical principles of forgiveness. And that's something that's, I guess, inherently within us. And like you said, like it's inherently within our, our mothers as well. And I think that's, that, that's one of the beautiful things that we get passed down as, you know, uh, children of um, such a awesome, amazing people, and I know there's a lot of other great, you know, ethnic groups throughout the world. But I'm I'm proud to be um, a child of Tigray, and I'm I'm proud I'm, I'm I'm proud to have such rich heritage and history. Um, but at the same time, I recognize you know some of the faults that we've um, committed in the past, and mm-hmm. some of the the mishaps. Um, you know, I haven't done these things personally, but, you know, generations before me happened. So I'm willing to say, okay, yeah, this is something that we didn't do right. Let's, let's, let's work on building something more towards the future. And yeah. when we can come to that point where we can recognize the wrongs and, you know, it's, 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 it's like the restorative justice. It's building that narrative and building a more complete narrative for ourselves and for our families. And then also interpersonally with, you know, those we connect with, our friends, um, our community groups, how much stronger will we be if we come together as a community, as a holistic community, a healthy mm-hmm. community, one that doesn't suppress pain or trauma that, that we talk about it publicly, 
that we're vulnerable with each other, like how much stronger would we be as a people group? And I, I just, I just think about that and it kind of excites me about the future and like what can be possible, but also what can we do? Um, not only for um, the generation above us, but like what can we do now? Like our generation, you know, people our age, you know, you know, yeah. young professionals in, the, in their thirties and their late thirties and early twenties or late twenties, you know, how can we move forward and how can we make this, um, I wouldn't say space, but I guess how can we build better for our community? Like contextually, like where we're at, whether it's in America or back home or around the world and how can we build a better to drive for tomorrow and that's that's what i'm excited about and that's one of the reasons why I is that what you're important. manifesting is that what you're that's manifesting, what I'm manifesting. yes that's what i'm manifesting but also that's one of the reasons why we're, we're talking right now that's one of the reasons why we have or you have this you know this channel this um platform to talk mm -hmm. about those things and you have such a beautiful heart in the way you share and you bring such a heartfelt response to everything and so yeah, I mean, I'm not closing right now, but I just, I'm just kind of wrapping these thoughts around in my head and just kind of. Yeah, no, I love it. it. It's beautiful because um, I know that we're capable. And I think if I wanted to add on to this manifestation um, and when we're thinking about building these systems, it's like, I want us to also reclaim the parts of our culture that have been, um, watered down you know that are not completely understood because i think the reason our people have been able to survive for so long um going back to the resiliency that you're talking about and ironically you know i have that tatted behind my ear um is this idea that like our culture is literally what pushes us forward you know mm. and i think that we have such beautiful parts of our culture already that factor these things in, that factor the reality that we live in, but they're not understood properly, you know, and they're not taught properly. Because when you grow up in the culture, it just makes sense to you, you know? Like, they're just, you don't have anything to compare it to. But when, when we think about the diaspora, we're just like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why do we do this? Because everything is seen in a Western, like, perspective first. Right. So then we're othering ourselves all the time instead of being like, no, this is our culture. Y'all are different, you know? Like, and I want, I want to reclaim that for us really and truly because I don't think that, um, that those are things that need to be thrown away. I think there are things that need to be reimagined in our current context and how the world is changing but the intention of our ancestors in creating those systems were for a reason. They knew like core principles of what we needed to move forward and to be able to like heal and like be strong enough to continue to survive, right? Like those are things that we do need to honor and respect. Um, and it, it makes this a two-way street, right? Like we need our elders as much as they need us. And I think for the longest time, because of the disconnect of us growing up in a different place, we haven't been able to reconcile with them even, you know? And the least we can do in this time, because we're not in a place, like we're in active trauma right now, to reconcile with our quote unquote enemies, right? We do have the time and space to reconcile with one another. Right. And 
I think that is a gift in and of itself that we all should try to take advantage of because I'm tired of burying people um, for reasons that are preventable. And I want our community to be stronger and more open and more vulnerable because do you know how many times a day or like just in general, people come up to me and they're like, I wish I could be as open as you. I wish that I could be as vulnerable as you are. Um, And I'm like, you can, it's a choice, right? But at the same time, I realize like me taking myself out of it, can we make that easier for them? Can we make it easier? Can we create more spaces where people are seen and felt safe and heard, right? And that is something that is within our control right now. And that is why I go so hard with this platform because there's too many people that we're losing for reasons we shouldn't. And if we could show up with each other and we could heal the parts of our community that have been harmful, um, then we can save so many more because the genocide is not the only thing taking us out. It's the psychological warfare. It's the fact that we're still dealing with the pandemic that seems to be secondary (laughs) to us. Um, And none of it is being talked about and none of it is being approached. And then we're going to a husband and like, well, what could we have done to save this person? Well, now that conversation is too late, right? Mm this conversation is timely because there's still people suffering quietly. Mm. And until we create a culture and change the culture in our community to allow people to release the pain that they're dealing with, and we, and we create the system for them to be able to do that safely without the outside world attacking them. Cause right yeah. now the outside world does not feel safe, you know? it's just like, oh, you guys really don't care. You're really just going to let my people die. So I understand that feeling of like wanting to be with your own right now, but we need to make those spaces safer too. So people can actually talk to one another and heal with one another and actually have a circle because otherwise we're just shooting the shit. (laughs) And that's cool for for a while, but it's not going to actually get you any healing. So that's what I want to manifest for us really and truly is that more people stand up to make those spaces and Mm -hmm. to join these conversations as difficult as they are. Um, Because I literally live with that philosophy that be the change you want to see. And if you guys want to be more open and vulnerable like me, then you got to commit to making the space more open and vulnerable. And that starts with healing yourself. And if you can start with forgiving yourself, then this forgiveness of others is a lot easier. And this ability to then actually build more systems and have more structure within our community becomes a lot easier. But it literally starts with you first. And if anybody needed to understand why I structure Uprooted the way I do, that's why. Like, we're not gonna have a healthy society with unhealthy people. It's just not possible. That's the first step in building a system. We yeah. need a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having this conversation to come with that, like at the more practical ways of like, how can we build systems for the future? And I kind of mm-hmm. wrote this down. This is all from the, the documentary that we watched together, but also the book that we're working on uh, yeah. and from as well. This, the, the, for this whole series is Interfaith Just Peacemaking. For those of you 
just tuning in right now. And one of the approaches that we can take to actually build a system uh, for the future is democratic governance. And democratic governance should never be at the expense for any minority rights. And that's minority rights for all people. And so whether you look at that nationally within you know, Ethiopia and the smaller tribes and the small regions are like, you know, in the community, how do we build uh, a democracy within a, a small community and not neglect the least of these, you know? And it looks like building um, systems for safety, not just for some people, but all people, yeah. human and human rights, but also human dignity. Mm -hmm. and this idea of civil enfranchisement, so empowering those, not just the top, not just the wealthy, not just the people who we need to because they have the most money or they're like the most successful in our communities. It's, it's empowering those uh, out that we you know, see at the proverbial bottom as, as well. Um, but then also just um, not allowing um, democracy to be compromised because we yeah. see that so much and you know, in the Eastern and Western tradition that this idea of democracy comes at the expense of their own citizens. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, in America today, like with, you know, policing or in South Africa with um, apartheid, like you see democracy kind of crumble at the expense of the citizens. And I would say in our context as well, like democracy has crumbled at, at the expense of the people of Tigray. And the genocide's being committed today, as we speak right now, people dying and starving to death. And that's, that's something that should not be happening, not only in Ethiopia, but in any country in general. It should never happen. And so how do we build a stronger democracy to build towards the future? And it's, it looks like these steps, and there's more steps as well that you know, I can kind of explain, but that we don't really have time for. So if you guys are really interested, please, please, please read Interfaith, Just Peacemaking. I promise you, like, if you are uh, someone who's passionate about justice, if you're someone who wants to see restorative justice, not only just in our small community, but in the larger community and your local community as well, wherever you live, I promise mm -hmm. you this book is going to offer such great principles, practices for you to practice in your own community. And, you know, we broke this down in very simplistic terms and throughout the four weeks, but if you want to go more in depth, please get that book do some more research, whatever you want to do. Um, but I think those like small little guidelines that we can do can really make ties and events of the past. Because I think that's what reconciliation is, right? Like we, we want to yeah. heal from the past. We also want to like, you know, change and repair and move towards, you know, building a better future. And that's why we're doing this. That's why I said that's the reason why you're doing Uprooted is because you want to uproot, you know, the the, the icky, all the, the, all the trauma that's that's happened, and and you want to repair these things and build towards you know, a better life for yourself and for other people, and you want to equip mm -hmm. people to to be able to do the same, and but also go on that journey together um, as people, because at the same time, like like we're talking about, and like we're all made in God's image, right? Like we're all humans. We all deserve that sense mm -hmm. of peace and love and justice. And that's something that's guaranteed, that should be guaranteed to all of us, but it's not. And I, I think when we can come together and offer those tools of hope and love and healing, it's, it's powerful and we need this. And yeah, so just thank you. Thank you for offering this platform. Thank you for, um, you know, just open up the door and the opportunity to talk about this because it's so important. And um, 
for for anyone who's like benefited from this conversation and these conversations that we've been having uh thanks for tuning in and i hope that i've learned a lot myself just kind of you know talking with you always but more so like on this public platform yeah and kind of breaking this down more and blowing it down and i hope people have benefited from this conversation and these conversations that we've been having these past four weeks and this month of September. Yes. No, I'm, I'm sure. I know I have. I know some people have. Um, we will continue to break this one. We'll finish out our series um, on Clubhouse, um, breaking this down on Thursday, guys. Um, but honestly and truly, it really is something that um, we have the privilege to do because we are not worried about bombs hop, like being yeah. dropped on our head. And um, we have the luxury of being able to use our phones, um, all of these different things. And so it's not to feel guilty about, it's, it's to feel empowered by, like you have the time and the space and the, and the level of safety, right? To, to do this work. And I think how we can honor those that we're losing um, and the, and those who are still fighting, right, is to use that privilege, because I guarantee you, if they were here, that's what they'd be doing. Um, they would be finding a way to live their life fully and truly. Um, that's the first thing they do when they get out of the war zone and get to safety is like, just start to try to reimagine a life, right? And, and they want to move forward most of the time. Some of them takes a little bit longer, but at the end of the day, um, there's, there's needs to be a path forward and we have the privilege to start working on it um, and creating tools and resources for ourselves that can also be translated to the people back home when the time is ready. Um, I mean, when the doors are open and we're ready to be able to actually go there um, freely and truly, let's be prepared. You know, you stay ready and got to get ready. That's the philosophy here. Uh, so I appreciate you, Hyatt. I know this is um, such a dope series, and we definitely made it work with both of our traveling and <laughs> being everywhere and dealing with our own personal lives because life has been hard um, on both of us, you know? It's, it's beautiful to see the resiliency in that, and I hope that it's, you know, just a role model for others. Like, this is the power of healing um, in community with one another, so... I think it's dope. I think we have a dope place to start for Thursday's conversation. Um, and yeah, this is Manifest Mondays, y'all. This is our, our wrap on this series on understanding forgiveness. Hyatt, you already know whenever you want to come back on and talk about anything, um, the door is open. There's always a lot more for us to unpack and learn and grow together with. So I'm excited about that. But I am going to go back to my vacation <laughs> with my family and go love on the little babies and kids because y'all if you ever feeling sad go find a little toddler to play with okay they got the most energy ever and all fun so I'm gonna go do that gonna go love on some some kiddos um and what's what other announcements do we have um back on Wednesday with Black Women Wednesday I will have um, a doctor joining us so we can talk about COVID and the vaccine and and what we're all dealing with as a community because it's still prevalent <laughs> and we need to talk about it. So thanks, Hi. I will see you on Thursday. I'm going to text you after this um, to coordinate that too.
Sounds good. Thank you for having me as always. It's good to be back. And I will be back <laughs> soon. And I will see y'all right. Thursday in Clubhouse where we'll unpack more of this together. So Yes, sir. Okay. Peace out, y'all.